0: Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday,
1: I will call upon you to do a service
0: for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChumbaCasino.com. Welcome to the family.
1: VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. I woke up at 5 a.m. put on my camouflage. Wiped
0: off the 243 and fired up my dog. i I'm
1: a backwoods boy, grew up on a dirt road. I'm a backwoods boy, no better place
0: to go. Waiting on a deer, wishing on a star. I'll always be true to my heart. 'Cause
1: I'm a.
0: Strader Outdoors. Obviously, this is the second hour of tonight's broadcast, and we're going to continue some of our discussions about this weird weather, and its effect on fishing, and then we're going to talk to you about some legislation that, quite frankly, has opened Pandora's box on a number of really bad issues that I've been hearing from sportsmen all across the state, including the President of the League Kentucky Sportsmen, who... Uh, I'm going to give you some quotes he had to a newspaper, the Kentucky Lantern, that uh, reported on these issues. Scott, uh, the weather and fishing, here's the deal. (laughs) Uh, Again, low 40s at night, nothing over uh, low to mid 60s during the day, high winds. Undoubtedly, water temperatures are going to drop. They have not stabilized at that magic sixty-five degree range that crappie like, um, and that bass like, and that bluegill like. So, here's the weird thing that I've been seeing, and I obviously like you to come on on as well. But I caught white bass this week. There was still cane eggs. Uh, my friend Coach Redman caught white bass this week that are still carrying eggs. Everyone I've talked to, and I'm talking about a big circle of friends, uh, reporting about crappie, and this is from everywhere from Kentucky Lake all the way throughout the state, are reporting the crappie are still holding their eggs. There's not been the big rush of activity at the banks. Now, undoubtedly some crappie may have spawned, but the main thing I think we need to impart to the audience is a lot of folks think that they missed it. The warm weather that we had in late March uh, has a number of folks thinking that they've missed the spawning effort, and they have not. And I'm of the opinion, I think you are too, the best is yet to come. And it will be precipitated by the slow but steady rise in temperatures that start next Friday, go through the weekend, and then the following week, the week after Derby, is when it's going to really in my opinion, start to explode because we're going to have daytime temperatures in the 70s and lows in the 50s, which, of course, will bring the water temperature to a stable 65-degree range. But, oh, my gosh, is this odd. I mean, by now, white bass ought to be done. Crappies ought to be right in the middle of it being wide open, and bluegill and bass should be starting to show some nesting activity. By that, I mean... You know the the uh, males starting to gang up in some of the areas where they're going to build nests, but we haven't seen it. It's just not been evident. And it keeps getting set back for these crazy
1: fronts. So, yeah, a few weeks ago, I kind of suggested to folks to be ready for fishing and fishing good and Derby weekend on. And you know, there's a big difference between what Coach Redman and yourself and and I and if we don't guess, and we we know the importance of being lucky. But there's too many things we're shaping up to develop into a, a more, you know, I guess odd or or abnormal spawning situation. And honestly, consistent catch has been on live bait, and anglers that have been wanting to have more of an action-packed bite with artificial baits and throwing spinners or plastics or jigs or whatever. doesn't matter for what species we've, we've kind of been let down, but we're, we're getting ready to have two or three weeks of really good radio and talking about great stringers and catches of fish and, and the best is yet to come. So, um, just like you were saying, I'm glad folks can be assured that that they haven't missed it and and fishing is going to be really productive.
0: Yes, sir. And, And, uh, as everyone knows, I'm a big follower of and a proponent for studying the moon and its effects on on fish and, and their spawning behaviors. And if you look at things the way they're stacking up, the full moon is uh, next Friday or this coming Friday, I guess I should say. And it's not going to correspond to the best spawning temperatures. So I look for the period between the 5th to the 20th, that two-week period leading up to the dark moon on the 19th, to be the magic time for folks to take time off from work, or to your point earlier, they got any vacation time and they want to catch fish at, it, at what should be a, a really good spring peak for a lot of those species. It's going to be that period, I think, from from that time uh, of the uh the full moon passing actually and leading up to the dark moon, in other words, from about the well the week of the seventh uh, of may leading up to to about the twentieth you know that approximate two week period ought to be ought to be on fire. Now the white bass no are the ones that really got me scratching my head. I don't know what to expect out of that. That's
1: just crazy. Yeah. Well, you know the the next the next several weekends for those folks that aren't retired or their work schedule doesn't allow them to take off during the week, you know, from crappie fishing to bass fishing, uh, you know, the months early in May they're just going to have good fishing. Bluegill fishing will get better mid May continuing through the the end of the month and crappie fishing will fall off some but you know we'll be we'll be in june before you know it and people will be catching catfish and uh we just have honestly about 30 days ahead of us that should just put a whole lot of fish in the boat and and uh, make a whole lot of folks happy if they keep that fillet knife sharp and want to put some fish up in the freezer because we had a setback if if Folks want to know what really happened. The moon and and the dates were there if the weather would have been right. But these cooler air temperatures and this cool rain is what set the fish back on the spawn. And that's just where they're naturally programmed to know what to do because of what Mother Nature's throwing at them. So we can read, write, and talk all we want, but we're not ever going to beat the brains of of the fish itself. Exactly. Instinct instinct. It's such
0: an interesting, interesting thing. So, folks, obviously, uh, good things ahead. I'm going to go to break here because we got a lot of talk about about this legislation that's really made a lot of people angry, and quite frankly, many aspects of it just don't make good sense until you look at the overall operations of the department and what we've been seeing for several years now under the leadership of Commissioner Rich Storm. So I'm going to try to unravel some of this for you folks, and we'll do this after this break. This break is presented by SMI Marine. They're 11400 Westport Road. They'll take great care of all your boating needs, and don't forget, they've got a lot of utility trailers on sale. I'm talking about deep, deep discounts on these trailers. They really stocked up on them during the COVID era, era, and they're getting back to normal business. Obviously, their main focus is boats, but they had to do something extra to make money during COVID. You can take advantage of that opportunity because they've got a lot of these utility trailers on sale now. And remember, go see them because you'll never get soaked by my friends at SMI. And we're back on Jim Strader Outdoors. And again, we're gonna talk about some pretty onerous things that happened in the legislature in this last session, and I'm going to lead off talking about Senate Bill 241, which was promulgated by Senator Robin Webb. Robin is uh, a senator who has paid attention to fish and wildlife issues for many, many years. Her father served admirably as a Fish and Wildlife Commissioner, for many years. And why she went out on the edge with this legislation is beyond me. There's a lot of things about it that are, in my estimation, and those folks around the state who've been calling me about it, it's just out on the edge. Basically, one of the things that's got people really upset is they sneaked, and that is the right word, sneaked, some language in this bill it was 48 pages long that said that residents who own five acres or less are now required to buy a hunting or fishing license to hunt or fish on their own property so in other words if you're not uh, the landed gentry if you will that owns more than five acres you're going to have to buy hunting or fishing license. In other words, big landowners don't have to. Small landowners, you're going to have to do it. Why is that so objectionable? Let me lay this out for you, folks. You, get, you know, many, many people are moving to where they've got acreage, uh, four acres, five acres, three, whatever the case may be. You come in, you're building your home, you got the bulldozers there, the excavator there, your contractor says, hey, you know what? I could build you a small pond barrel here. Cost-saving measure. People really enjoy having their kids and grandkids out to fish. Guess what? Now you're going to have to purchase a hunting and or fishing license to hunt or fish on that land. The fishing part has really got people upset, and here's why. Years ago, the department quit stocking fish in private ponds, saying they needed to do it as a cost-saving measure. Well, I objected to that. Folks that listen to this program can easily remember by doing so, because if you have to buy those fish from a hatchery, they belong to you. The department did not do anything to create those fish. So now... If you're a small landowner, you're going to be required to purchase a fishing license on your own property. And that is not in any way, shape, or fashion fair to people that own the smaller acreage. On the hunting side of things, there are many people that bought properties to be able to have their own place to hunt. With all the leasing that's going on, this is becoming more and more prevalent because people want their own small properties. So if you own five acres or less, if you want to shoot a groundhog that's raiding your garden, by law, by this statute that bypassed the commission process, you're going to have to buy a hunting license. Coyote, after your dog or raiding your chicken house, you're going to have to buy a hunting license to shoot that coyote. This is insane. It, it, it has it can't stand up to any merit. In, in conversations, uh, that have been reported to me, Senator Webb has said, well, it was a revenue issue. Well, tell you what, none of the commissioners knew about this, but Rich Storm did. The commissioner himself knew about it, and he bypassed the commission system by taking this in front of the legislature. And in this article in the Kentucky Lantern, you can look it up at Kentucky Lantern dot com there were some real interesting quotes let me give you an example rich zimmer president league of kentucky sportsmen i want to thank him for standing up he said this is like reading something the headlines in the newspaper where you say oh my gosh how did that get there he goes on to say i would like to see sportsmen and sportswomen have a little more say in what goes into some of these things Zimmer said he wasn't aware of the change in the exception for farms until he read about it in the department's website. The commissioner for the department, Rich Storm, said in a statement, that said, the change in the law is aimed at stopping abuse of the farmland exception for those who may use it to get around buying the license. Excuse me, Rich. This is a very arbitrary and capricious type of law. What, what are we pushing towards here? Landed gentry only? It's wrong. And, I, and I, I hope that you folks that have your own small properties rise up against this because it's just not right. Um, Zimmer, again, the president of the League of Kentucky Sportsmen, went on to say after hearing the explanation for why the license exemption was changed, He wonders if there are unintended circumstances that are not being considered with the exception change. He wanted to know, was there a better way to go about this? We need to work with the legislature to fully understand that and then also work with the department. There needs to be a resolution or something, an adjustment in that regulation to go forward. Well, here's the deal. This points to all kinds of areas for abuse about this because in this move the Legislature went around the Commission. The Commission who is supposed to represent us at the table with a three-part process where you can bring up an idea for a regulation change, then it has to go forward to discussion and if the sportsmen, after being informed about it, no, then it goes to a vote by the Commission You know what? Rich Storm threw the commissioners under the bus with what he did with this process by going over there. And he can't say he wasn't aware of it. You know why? Robin Webb filed this bill the last day of the legislature. Guess who was there? Rich Storm's dad, Doug Hensley, and David Godby, three former commissioners who she says just happened to show up. I know what happened here, and you do too. They were there to convince the legislature that this piece of legislation was a good idea. Let me take it a step further. This piece of legislation also gives Rich Storm the unilateral ability to sign state and federal contracts with the millions and millions of dollars of your monies, without any oversight. It bypasses the process that used to go through finance and administration. And it is Robert the Canaver Stivers, the Senate president, who's trying to bypass the governor's statutory ability to oversee these types of contracts. We've got to have checks and balances on this stuff. But oh no, they, they went around that and this bill spoke to it. Now, why does this get even more onerous? Stivers, through his control of the Senate and the legislature, refused to confirm three out of the four new Fish and Wildlife Commissioners that you, the sportsman, selected to go to Frankfurt to represent you. I want you to think this through. Three out of the four. That were supposed to get new commissioners were denied that. And that is wrong. And then this shows how the legislature is starting to bypass the commission system. And that's a reason for alarm bells. Robin Webb, again, Senator Webb said, well, these things, it's a revenue issue. If people are thwarting the system by abusing a statute, it's problematic. Senator Webb, you and I have known each other for more than thirty years. Who says it was problematic? Besides Rich Storm, the the sportsmen and outdoor women of the state certainly didn't have any input here, and that's dead wrong. It's wrong for a variety of issues. One of the things that also points out that I hate is the way non-residents are leasing up our hunting and fishing lands and denying our folks the ability to hunt or fish. And we'll talk about that more after this break. This break is presented by Mossy Oak Properties, Hart Realty. Check them out at MOPHARTrealty.com. the administrator outdoors and we're talking about the legislative moves recently that have really made a lot of the outdoorsmen and women around the state angry and for justifiable reasons the one we were talking about initially was the new law that was passed senate bill 241 where they sneaked in language that said, if you own less than five acres, you now have to purchase a hunting or fishing license, even though anyone who owns five acres or more doesn't have to. So there was no input by any of the sportsmen's groups on this. And Senator Robin Webb is the one who promulgated the legislation and pushed it. And I'd like to know who whispered in Robin's ear about this, because it's really odd with her history and the fact that her dad served on the commission for so many years that she would try to pass a law that bypasses the commission system, which she has always said she reveres. Uh, I've talked to several of the commissioners and have had uh, reports from several of the commissioners. They didn't know anything about this. And it was said to be cleanup language is the way it was. Uh, described during the legislative session. And it's just extremely odd. And the fact that it provided for uh, Rich Storm to have no oversight on all of the contracts the department does, millions and millions of dollars in state and federal funds. You know, when a legislative body does that, there's a reason for it and the reasons are not good. Basically, if you all remember, Rich Storm got to be commissioner in a process that was corrupt and flawed. He was as chairman of the commission, oversaw the selection process for a new commissioner, interviewed all the applicants, and then turned around at the last minute, put his name in, and subsequently was named the commissioner. Since then, we've had all kinds of problems with these things. Um, we know the department's failed the last several audits uh, by the state auditor that looked into how they were using your monies and federal funds. So it, it it is very apparent because Rich Storm's contract was approved by the legislature, and these uh, last three out of four gentlemen that were not confirmed by the Senate because. Rich Storm and other people in the legislature don't want to be held accountable by the honest people that we're sending up there. We got big problems here, people, big problems. Um, you know, we, we've got a, a shortage of conservation officers. We got conservation officers leaving, I think it's fair to say, by the droves. We've got counties that don't have commission, uh, conservation officers right now. What really caught my eye was the fact that Senator Webb said in here that the law enforcement people were a reason for it. She said, and I quote from the Kentucky Lantern, the new law provides clarity for the consumer, that is us. Well, we weren't consulting, so that one's out the window, for the sportsmen, and it provides clarity for law enforcement, prosecutors trying to enforce this stuff i tell you what, I don't know of any prosecutor that's going to feel comfortable bringing forth the prosecution of a small landowner who was fishing in their pond that they built for the fish that they paid for, that they stocked that pond. Because, again, the department quit stocking ponds years ago. By definition, and it should be by law, those are your fish. They no longer belong to the people at large. And I think it's unenforceable. Why do I think that? Number one, most of the conservation officers out there, the field officers, how in the world are they going to go about enforcing this? They're going to go around looking up uh, property lines, et cetera, to see if somebody's fishing in their own pond or try to prosecute somebody that shot a groundhog that's raiding right their garden. This is insane. I, it's just so out of control. and I'd love to know what you think, folks think about this. If you've got any thoughts, the numbers are 571-8484 or 800-444-8484. I, I just, Scott, the biggest problem I've got with this is the way they went around the process. You know, we're supposed to have a process where... It comes up under new business in front of the commission. That's so sportsmen can be aware of what's going on and and see about it. Then in the next quarterly meeting, three months later, we have to see if there's support. It comes up as a discussion item. Do the sportsmen, you know, agree with this? And then another three months later, it's supposed to be an action item, so it can be voted upon. Oh, no, they bypassed all this. And they did this in the same session where Stivers and leadership squashed the sportsman's choice for commissioners in their district. You know why? Storm's afraid of them. He knows that they're going to reveal things that aren't going according to Hoyle. And that is my supposition because you don't take good men. Good example, 3rd District, Mark Nethery was the candidate. He was appointed by the governor. Mark's a several-term president of the League of Kentucky Sportsmen. He's on federal uh, uh, conservation boards. If that guy can't get a, a confirmation up there, I don't know who can. What's so earnest about that? We're going to quit getting involved. We're getting slapped in the face by Stivers and Company for no good reason other than the fact that they're protecting Rich Storm. And this has got to stop. Makes me want to puke.
1: Scott, you got any thoughts about it? It's all news to me um, because just like most sportsmen, I didn't even know that it was a concern amongst the law enforcement officers, uh, the commissioners, the department, that uh, this was a, a major piece that they wanted to put into place. I can just tell you from my perspective what I've seen, you know, I'm native to Odom County, and growing up and seeing how the Commonwealth is developing, and it doesn't matter if you're in Paducah or Somerset or Lexington, there are just a lot of people that own five-acre tracks, you know, 4.94 acres, whatever it is, and a lot of those are farms that have been subdivided, and it actually provides an excellent opportunity. You know, I look at far as what we do and what the department's done we've all tried to advocate to get more people outdoors to hunt and fish now we've done that we've we've actually done it so well that we've encouraged people to have more than just a half acre lot and now that we have all these people engaged and involved and fishing in their ponds and you know hunting on their small acreage whether that's a dove field or a food plot or just a creek bottom um, now we're looking at ways in which we're going to generate and get more revenue, and that's just coming from one man's perspective. But I would imagine that there's a lot of listeners that would agree with me that this is probably not what's best for wildlife. It's probably what's best for accounting. Absolutely. You know, Senator Webb
0: said, it again, she was quoted in this article, the department had asked her to add language excluding these farmlands smaller than five acres. Who at the department did this? You gotta tell me Rich Storm was unaware of it? So here's the deal. If he was aware of it, and she, through legislative action, bypassed the commissioner, if I were a seated commissioner, his butt would be in front of me and the rest of that board explaining what in the hell is going on here? Because this is not the way the commission system is supposed to work. And storm has been cavorting around up there in Frankfurt. And it's dangerous. It's extremely dangerous. And, and I will go so far as to say, if you look at how he being commissioner storm owes his bacon By that, I mean his his pay, his huge salary. He's one of the highest paid people in state government. And now they turned around and gave him total authority, sole authority over those contracts with millions and millions of our dollars. I can see where this is going, and it's not good. It's not good at all. Folks, you've heard me uh, take exception to some of these things in the past, but now as you can see how it's, Coming around full circle, we're getting left out of the process. We're not getting representation at the table through the commission. And it's it's, it's a really ugly scenario.
1: Jim, let me ask you a question. Uh, how, how does something like this take place? Because the next thing we know, it may be it's a decision that's made for a non-resident license or a youth license. I mean, I, I was under the understanding that the reason that we operated like we do with a commission and not being a DNR or what have you, so that us as sportsmen and women had a voice. And I don't know how and why our voice was lost so, so rapidly and, and in such a raw way. I can give you the two reasons. The first
0: is that Rich Storm was hired under a corrupted process. He has not provided good leadership that's responsive to the sportsman. He and several of the current seated commissioners who were up to be replaced, I might add, have conspired to keep the sportsman out of the process. They've set it up where it's almost impossible to go up there and speak regarding issues. Then who stepped in? Senator President Robert Stivers, he started excluding the people we sent up there. And, and to that point, Senator Webb made a vicious attack on uh, some of the members, particularly uh, the 3rd District Perspective Commissioner, Mark Nethery,
1: and it, it,
0: it was unbelievable. She went to, so far as to ask him if he would be in favor of this legislation that I'm talking about. And he didn't really have his head around it at the time. You know, they sneaked this through. It went in, as I say, the last day of the session. And who was there but former commissioners Doug Hensley, God in Storm? It's just like you can't feed wildlife on your own property. In March, when the wildlife needs to be fed, the sportsman input wasn't there for that either. You know who led that charge? Doug Hensley. And here he is up there again in the Senate. And Senator Webb tried to say, well, they just dropped by. Well, isn't that convenient? They just happened to drop by the last day of the legislature when this was being sold to the other legislators. So here's what I'll tell you, folks. Contact your legislator and contact your commissioner if you have one and let them know how you feel about this. It's wrong. It's just wrong. We got to go to break here, folks break is presented by Mossdale Properties Heart Realty. Check them out M-O-P-H-A-R-T Realty.com And we're back on Jim Strader Outdoors and we're talking about pretty ugly things that came out of this legislative session and one of them was the Senate Bill 241 which was promulgated by Senator Robin Webb who has been kind of the leader of the sportsman's caucus up in the legislature for many years. And it really caught me off guard because I don't understand how she's gone against the process that her father revered, that I revere. Uh, The Fish and Wildlife Commissioners, District Commissioners didn't know anything about this. And the conservation officers that I've talked to and others have talked to, they didn't know anything about this. And it's just the kind of thing that need not happen. And when you add that to this other stuff that's going on, for example, Scott, to your point, so many people buy a piece of property so they can enjoy hunting and fishing on their own lands. And I, I guess the next excuse is going to be, well, it's a safety issue. No, it's not, or else it would have been in the bill. It's about the money, honey. Follow the trail, follow the money. And the crazy thing about it is Senator Webb tried to say that the department asked her to put this in there. Well then they turn around and here again, this is this is very revealing. This is a quote again that was made in the Kentucky Lantern. Kevin Kelly, the department spokesperson, said the wildlife management agency doesn't have a way to quantify the amount of new revenue. That could be brought in by the change to this exception. Are you kidding me? They're promoting it and they don't even know. So you landowners with five acres or less, I guess you better get used to feeling the screw go in your back because that's what you just got. That's exactly what you just got. And these type of legislative actions that go around the commission, they need not happen again. And I'll bet you dollars to donuts being a 48-page bill that the majority of folks in the legislature weren't even aware of these things and the impact it could have. There's so many bills flying around at the end that it's just crazy. And for this to come out, it's a bad bad deal. It's a bad deal. Scott, what I'm most concerned about is those people that did this because of the amount of non-resident leasing of lands that's going on in Kentucky. We've we've got to do something to curtail that. I can't tell you how many people I talk to on a daily basis, a weekly basis at the least, they say I can't find a place to hunt or fish anymore because everything's leased up and much of it by non-residents. It's time for the commission to look at raising non-resident licenses. Number one, And because we're a premier state for elk and deer and turkeys to turkey limit that you pointed out, Scott, we need to go to a draw system just like the other premier states like Kansas and Iowa do. That's the only way you're going to cut back on this non-resident leasing of land because if they have to go through a draw, they're not going to pay these huge prices, which is driven prices for the residents who lease land up.
1: It's a bad deal. I'm a huge I'm a huge advocate that no one, no matter what state we're in, should not be able to find good hunting or the availability of hunting on private or public lands in the state where they vote in, pay taxes in and reside in. Um and we'll we'll continue this with more programs going down the road, but it's just it's it's such a Heartbreaking aspect of, of being involved with conservation and being a sportsman or a woman, and knowing that there is a system that's in place and not being followed, and uh, it was a low blow.
0: It was the low blow, and folks, I, I, as you know, I hate being the bearer of bad tidings, but that's the way it is. And uh, I felt like you were old to know about it, and so many of the people in the state did not know about it and again it was a lot of the language there was sneak through so i think you drew a bad card i think folks need to be held accountable all right folks that's all we got for tonight be careful out there better fish at the head a lot of good turkey hunting ahead of you god bless everybody